Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast. This is episode number 147. And I am thrilled with this particular episode because we've had this all-star cast with us six months ago in a very, very different market. And they are so generous with their time. They agreed to come back and talk about how they're thriving in a a very different market that we have today with 7% rates and low inventory and low pendings and and all that stuff. So let's jump in. I'm Joe Fostolo with Soldera Properties and introducing these three fabulous, powerful women in real estate is my buddy and co-host Steve Nassar with Premier Property Group. Hey, everybody. Excited to have you all back. As Joe acknowledged, we thoughtfully put this together six months ago because we were like, oh, market's changing. It was actually almost exactly six months ago. It was April, middle of April of this year. And we we are going to ask a lot of the same questions. In fact, they're, they're mildly reworded. Instead of saying, what do you think will happen? It's going to, we're going to ask the questions. What did happen? What has happened? Same panel, our favorite panel. We've got Kim Galately here, Heather Robbins, Brittany Gibbs. We did a pretty, pretty in depth introduction last time. I don't know if we have to do all of that again, as far as, you know, how long you've been in the business and all that, but. One thing I do want our listeners to be aware of, I didn't do the exact math, but I was just kind of running some numbers based on some ballpark figures. I mean, we have a combined probably 400 million volume in this panel, in all of us here in the last year. We have probably, and I'm guessing here, probably 60, 70, 80 years worth of experience in real estate accumulatively. So we've got a powerhouse panel here and just some, and, and we, we were really clear to say this last time, some genuinely nice people too, who are such a pleasure to do transactions with and interact with. And heck, I think I've done a couple transactions with a couple of you since then, since that panel. So without further ado, let's kick it off. Let's introduce Kim Galately. Hi, welcome. Hello. You have, any, you have anything you want to say to us? I'm Kim Galatly. And don't worry, Steve, I've been married 10 years and I still don't know how to pronounce my own last name. So no one <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got a podcast here. Let's let's correct it for everyone. Is it Galatly? Okay. Yes. Okay. There we go. It's in, it's immortalized forever in audio. Keep going. Absolutely. So my name is Kim. I'm with Berkshire Hathaway Northwest Properties, and I've been a realtor for this is my 18th year in real estate. So I'm excited to be on the panel. A lot has changed in six months. It feels like it's been like six years. A lot has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next, Heather Robbins. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh my goodness. Being able to rub shoulders with you all. This is fun. This is great. So I've been in the business over 20 years and own manage Robbins Realty Group based in Westland. And I've sold a house or two in my day. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, you have. Yes, you have. Brittany Gibbs, welcome. Including, including um, mine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Brittany Gibbs. I'm owner of Move Real Estate based out of Oregon City. I've been in the business for just over eight years, and I've also sold a house or two. Yes, you have. And, uh, and, and Brittany, you get the you get the award for doing the most in the shortest amount of time, by the way. So when, oh, when, when I was saying the volume, you're up there, you're one of the powerhouses in that. But when I was saying years accumulatively in the business, you're, you're the baby. So yeah. <laughs> and, and one of our questions is going to talk about the last great recession. And, and I think you, we might have to skip you on that one because I, I was in high probably school. in high school. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Joe, why don't you kick it off? We've introduced our panel. Why don't you run with the first question? Absolutely. Well, they didn't need an introduction, really. You know, I'm waiting for them to drop their last name like Prince or Sting or, <laughs> you know, Beyonce. You know, it's oh, like, oh, who has that list? Who has that list? Oh, that's Brittany. And everyone knows who you're talking about, right? <laughs> to all of the listeners and subscribers, I just want to let you know that I've thought all week about the questions I want to ask this brilliant panel. And if you'll please be patient, I'm sure I'll think of something. No, I'm kidding. The first thing, which is what is on top of everyone's mind, since our last all-star panel, our interest rates are 7%. Our pendings have gone down 42%. And you are all running at a very, very high level. How has this affected your overall business? How about Heather? Yeah. So we have seen that our numbers are down compared to last year, but they're higher than 2019, 2020. And I can speak for the whole group. When you're honing your craft, when you are like doing your very best, then your business can expand even when the market's contracting. And I'm just such a firm believer in even if the market's shifting, I see opportunity and I'm looking for the opportunity and ways to grow and do better, be better. So yeah, our sales are down a little bit, but honestly, for how much the market has shifted, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that we're doing better than I thought we might be doing. So I'm I'm thrilled about that. We see your signs everywhere. It's it's like McDonald's. It's like Starbucks. It's just, <laughs> oh, there's a green Robbins Realty sign right there. What about you, Kim? In the last several years, my fourth quarter has actually been my strongest quarter for closed sales. And this year is definitely different. I feel like we're in a, I'm calling it kind of a season of shock by our consumers and a season of just getting acclimated. So I'm not concerned, but I feel like we're living in a time of very fast change. And even like if we did another podcast in six months from now, this would seem more normal. 7% might seem more normal. And so it's not, for me, it's not the concern of the interest rates. It's not concern of the number of pending sales declining. For me, it's more how quickly it's changed and trying to get my clients acclimated as soon as possible, because I do feel that there are a lot of things that will be the new normal. And we just, we need to get everybody caught up really fast so that we can get back to business. Do you think the sellers have kind of realized 
that it's it's not the market from six months ago? And do you do you think the buyers and sellers are both sort of realizing that now? I feel like when I see listings hitting, I can tell, and you probably all can tell too, you can see those sellers who are, I feel priced like it's still six months ago. And some sellers who, and I would feel the same way. It's like, oh my gosh, we're feeling like you missed the market, feeling like there's you can't get the price you want. So I do think there are sellers who are still trying to get a certain price. But for the most part, like instead of looking at comps at six months, I'm looking at two months. So, okay, yes, before I could comp six months ago a listing. Now, what's sold in 60 days? What What's pending in 60 days? So I think as long as you can give more, more up-to-the-minute data, it's helping our sellers. Perfect. Brittany, what about you? Well, we've definitely slowed down a bit. It honestly feels a little bit like winter is used to pre-COVID. We always had a little bit of a slowdown in the winter going into the holidays and it feels a lot like that, but we haven't, we haven't felt this big adjustment. Like things aren't selling. I feel like we have a lot more serious clients right now because they have to move and they have to sell their house or they have to buy a house. And so, you know, I feel like it's honestly been really great. You get to spend a little bit more time with clients. And on top of that, we're back to negotiating again, which feels really good. I felt like for a long time, we couldn't really work on behalf of our clients because it's just, you know, you get what you get. So it feels good to be back to work for my clients. Good. Steve, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, no, great thoughts from from everybody. My team's going to probably do about the same amount of business, maybe a fuzz less than 2021. But it's not the same. Like we are working really hard for that business. And and the reason we're able to do more is we've expanded market share. In other words, to get just to say just to put out numbers, and these aren't actual numbers, but to give it an idea. Let's say in 2021, you're working with 500 people throughout the year that say, I'm either buying or selling, okay? And of course, not everybody ends up turning into a closing, right? Maybe 200 of those for on our team ended up as a closing. So 300 either said, well, I'm gonna not, I'd change my mind or we're gonna pause or, you know, there's, for whatever reason, they, they don't end up turning into a, a transaction. This year, to do that same 200, we have to work with like 800 clients, right? Because houses are sitting longer on the market. More buyers are pumping the brakes and pulling out of the market. So we've expanded our client base, if you will, to do the same amount. And a listing last year, you would list a house and it just vaporized into a paycheck. And there was very little ongoing communication needed, very little ongoing marketing needed, very little needed to to make sure that you protected that relationship with that seller and they felt good about what you're doing that is the new that is the new world i mean it's all about that we have we have listings we've had for near a year now and so it's all about making sure that you know as that contract expires assuming that they're still motivated sellers which you 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 want to align with as best as possible as a contract expires, you want to make sure that they're happy with what you're we're doing, even though their house hasn't sold. And and that that's a whole you know process and and challenge, not challenge, but it's a it's a new world, right? Compared to a year ago. So I agree. There's a lot of opportunities, but it's it's not all puppies and rainbows, right? I mean, the the market has dramatically changed. Dramatically. I we'll go into this later. I think it's changed faster than 2008. Now, the positive news is I think it can also turn back faster too. 
Let's go into the next question, guys. Everybody did a good job there. I'll ask this one. Let's dig a bit deeper into both sides of the transactions. We're going to talk about buyers and sellers specifically, and we're going to go into stories and and you know actual specifics. Based, what change in behavior on the part of sellers have you observed? Based on conversations you're having, attitudes about the market, feel free to share stories and examples. Let's start with you, Kim. So kind of like what I was saying before, just some sellers I feel like are still pricing it maybe like six months ago, or, you know, they're looking online and seeing prices on, on third-party sites that are saying a value that's considerably stronger. So the biggest thing I'm doing with my sellers in, in a listing presentation, look at six months, but specifically look at the last two months, the last 60 days. And then from that, any pending sales, calling the listing agent and seeing if they'll give me any information on what that pending sale is actually in contract on. Because what I'm noticing is maybe there's a pending sale and it was listed as a set and such price that my seller sees. And they're like, well, this is pending, but that actual accepted offer, maybe 50,000 less, for example. I would just encourage every agent, you know, as much as our sellers are comfortable with us sharing, to share that pending sales price to help us to price accurately. So those are kind of my biggest things. And like what you were saying too, Steve, whereas things were selling very quickly, now it's it's just a lot more ongoing communication. And I'm huge on ongoing communication with sellers, constantly letting them know what you're doing, because I'm coming up on some contracts too that are expiring. I, I usually do a six month contract and they're coming up on expirations. And I'm like, I really want to extend. I want to see it to conclusion. So that constant communication, a couple other things I do. Anytime I get a listing, I set up almost like a buyer prospect search. So it alerts me the minute something new hits the market. So that way I know right away their neighbor listed and I send them the listing and just typically say something like, typically say something along the lines of, you know, this home just listed, just want you to know, and it makes it a lot easier to ask for that price reduction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we do something very similar, Kim. We actually copy them. So in, in prospect profiles in RMLS, we set up just basically everything. It really, it's the parameters of your CMA, right? I mean, if, if when you did your CMA, you went three quarters of a mile around, you're doing three quarters of a mile around, similar weight class homes active pending sold price drops automatically goes to them we're copied so we're and, and i love that because it shows it's showing them in real time what's happening around them we're the source of the information they're not calling us and going hey did you see my neighbor listed and yeah it, it can be good news it can be bad news right and it's not it's not our news it's it's coming straight from the mls i love that and I think the name of the game and what you're talking about is proactive communication, right? If the only communication an agent is having with reactive with a seller is reactive communication, be ready for them to terminate a listing and go with somebody else, right? You've got to be proactively calling them or or emailing them and and giving them here's what we're doing or here's what's happening without them asking. I think that's huge. In the shoes of the seller, I mean, say you're selling a home in this market, you're probably thinking about your home maybe five to 10 times a day. So my personal, just in my own business is I contact each seller six times a week. 
once a day, six times a week, try to take Sundays off. And that way that, I mean, they're thinking about their home 10 times a day. I'm thinking about them a lot, but I want them to know at least once a day for six days a week that I'm thinking about them, what I'm doing, what's going on. So it's just extremely proactive, probably a little too much, but it's good. (laughs) You made me think of something Justin Harnish said about three months ago when we had him on this show. He said, every time that seller arrives at their house or leaves their house, they see my sign, they see my name, they think about the fact how visible of an endeavor is taking place on that property. And so it's so imperative that we are communicating them with them, you know, constantly, right? Yeah, yeah. In our world, I'm in this office, you know, I'm not, I may not be thinking about that listing or that listing or that listing, but just to your point, 10 times a day, it's a massive thing they're thinking about. We can't lose sight of that. Brittany, how about you? What are you seeing on the, the side of sellers, the part of sellers stories? Yeah, I think that it's hard for a lot of sellers right now because they feel like they've just missed the boat by a few months. And it's been interesting having those conversations with them and just kind of preparing them for what the market looks like now. We've had, we've honestly, like we used to, you know, obviously put a house on the market and then it would go within a couple of days. And we didn't really have to try that hard, just like you were saying. So it honestly, it, it we've, our marketing has doubled. We spent a lot more money on marketing, trying to get it out there, trying to get it in front of the right people and to let our clients know that we're working on their behalf because we have educated them too, that it's probably not going to sell the first weekend that it may take an average of about seven to 10 days right now. So it's been, I think just talking about creativity up front and price adjusting up front has been a big deal for me because it's just not, it's not the same and it's hard. It's a tough pill for them to swallow that it's changed so quickly. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Would you all, um, well, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll ask it after we talk to Heather, Heather, let's, let's, get, let's hear from you first. Then I'll, I'll ask this follow-up question. Cause I, I think it's a good one. What are you hearing and seeing on the parts of your sellers? Yeah, I think it's just imperative that we set those expectations in the listing appointment. So yes, absolutely. Sellers are like, wait, what? My house is worth this instead of that. And all the social media sites say that it's worth this. And it's like, well, they're not in the trenches. They're they're just social media sites. In my mind, social media sites, because it's not accurate information. And it's based off algorithms, not based on like what's really happening in escrow. So I, I speak to him about online pricing as opposed to somebody who's in the trenches, living, breathing real estate constantly and what that value looks like. And then I work with them on the 10, 10, zero frame of like, if your house has been on the market for 10 days with zero showings or 10 showings and zero offers, we need to adjust. And so when I'm setting that expectation up front of like, here's the framework we're working within And if we're not accomplishing that, we need to readjust. It makes that price adjustment conversation so much easier. And then I also just discuss with them that, well, you had pandemic appreciation. That's awesome, right? But there's the pandemic lift depreciation. The market goes up and it goes down. And just letting them know that like, I have no responsibility of the market. I don't control it. I'm just interpreting it for you and letting you know what I'm seeing. So when we have those candid conversations, I'm finding that it's just so much easier because we're all on the same page before it goes live as far as like, hey, we're not even going to discuss final pricing until 48 hours before live. The market's adjusting that much that like, here's our target, but it's a moving target because of rates. I found that like those conversations just get easier when you set the expectations up front. 
And sure, a little bit longer days on market, it's going to happen. But like Kim and Brittany said, that constant communication, letting them know that you are actively doing the unseen work behind the scenes to like help market their home. Because there's so much that we do that is unseen. It's invisible work, but it's being done. And so bringing that to light is always helpful for a seller who's seeing your sign every day and wondering what, what's happening here. Just being mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have a follow-up question for you, Heather. 10 yeah. days, no showings, 10 showings, no offers. Which is worse in your mind? <laughs> no showings. They're both bad, but wh- which one's worse? No showings in my mind. Really? Yeah. Because I, I I almost think the one the, where you've had 10 people in and no one likes it is, is almost oh, no, scarier. Because, so in my mind, that gives me feedback, right? Okay. Yeah, I that's good. Showings. Here's my feedback. Here's seller. Here is the theme that we're seeing and what we need to pivot and adjust for. But if I've got nothing, it's like, okay, clearly. It's I see advice. what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I was taking it from the, you, there's two different approaches to look at it from. You're looking at it from like managing the client's expectations. Yes. I would rather have 10 showings with no one making an offer. Seller's going to be happier with me for that. But like actually chances of selling the property, I worry more about the house that nobody wants. Like everybody's looking at it, nobody wants, but yeah, no good. I just, I was, I, that was a really cool thing. And I, I just wanted to, uh, dig deeper on that. My follow-up question for you guys, don't you agree the sellers are very aware of the market? I mean, the media has, I don't, how much of the media has been a self-fulfilling property prophecy and how much of it is otherwise is debatable. But at the end of the day, the media has been blasting for months and months, housing recession, you know, all this, these, you know, doom and gloom with the market. And it's hard to imagine a seller that hasn't heard it. Would you guys agree? Yeah, it's easier now than three months ago because people didn't want to acknowledge that we were settling or correcting. And, you know, you'd have brokers still during that we're settling, we're posting something online saying, hey, settling market, brand new on the market three days ago, five offers over ask, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's undeniable the seller's understand that they can't get what they get. And my philosophy is I try and tell them, if I don't tell them 10 times, they haven't heard it, right? If you tell them one time or two times, you need to really let it sink in. So then by the end of it, they're nodding their head with you when you're talking about our current market. And so I think it is an easier time, but And if you pull out the positive, right, we've been appreciating since 2012. So, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you didn't get 10 aggressive years of appreciation. You got like nine and a half. That's pretty much the top. That's selling Mm -hmm. high in my book, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and then that leads us to the buyers, the other side of the dynamic. We have buyers who the weight has shifted. They're having a little bit easier time now and the sellers are being a little bit more frustrated and it was the exact opposite when we did this last panel what are you noticing Brittany, about the changes in buyers behavior today with these rates and this inventory yeah so i mean buyers seem to be a little bit more scared because they're hearing the same stuff the seller is they're hearing recession recession on social media platforms on the news And it scares people, but there is a lot of people that still need to buy. They have to get into a house. And our rental market is just as brutal on affordability as purchasing a home. 
and just the lack of inventory in general on rentals and on houses. So people are still purchasing, but I think they are a little bit more afraid right now, but they're definitely getting a lot more. They're getting closing costs. They're getting the repairs that were non-existent a few months back. They're getting, you know, a lot more sellers willing to, you know, do the two to one buy downs or buy you know, extra rate buy down or whatever they want. And so, you know, it's definitely been a lot better for, for purchasing and getting into a home, but the unaffordability isn't, isn't there, you know, $400,000 house is three plus thousand dollars a month. And that's tough, you know, for first time homebuyers or for, you know, people that have been in a home for a long time and, and searching for something new. I do feel like our inventory is still incredibly low. I mean, it is raising, but it's, you know, and they're still on some houses, multiple offers. So I think you're just having to get a lot more creative on both sides of the, both sides of the playing field. That's true. You know, I kind of look at when the house sold last, if I'm taking a buyer to a house and they purchased within the last 10 years, I will call that broker and ask, hey, is their loan assumable? Because maybe it is and nobody knows. Mm -hmm. And that agent may or may not know. They may say, I don't know. Let me talk to them. And then they'll trace it backwards. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, it's 3.85. It is assumable. There's an automatic deal there with no 2-1 buy down or anything. Just that little piece of information is huge. Anyway, that's what I started doing like our listings that are sitting on the market. I didn't even think about that, Joe. Like go to our sellers and see if they're assumable loans and start doing that for marketing. Exactly. Having a at, you know, such and such an interest rate. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's saving money contributing on a 2-1 buy down or doing a price reduction. Just a straight assumable makes your market value go up. I mean, you're a little bit more marketable at 3.5 you know, and change 3.5 versus seven. So what do you see, Heather? Uh, I think that buyers are are certainly frustrated with the whiplash that they've experienced from like hot, hot market and over asking price and no contingencies and give your firstborn and your DNA to get the house to like, oh, okay, whiplash the other way of like, wow, look at these interest rates. And did we just get priced out? And do we have to take a knee? So, you know, I'm feeling for the buyers and what they've experienced this year of like this hot and cold. And yet I think that the opportunity for us as trusted advisors is to show up and show our abilities and our skills in saying, hey, there are ways to get around these higher interest rates. So let's get creative. Let's look at assumable loans. Let's look at the buy downs. Let's look at closing costs. I'm, I'm in escrow right now on a seller carried contract. Like, can our sellers, do they own it outright? And do they want to pick up some quick change on interest rates right now? So all of those things that we experienced during the recession, we can bring to the table now with creative financing. And for our listeners who were not in that market, no problem. Reach out to somebody who was. And it's a quick 10, 15 minute download conversation on like the skill sets we learned and share. Because, right, like if we're sharing with our peer industries, I'm like, hey, this is what you can do to help advise your buyers that they don't have to take a knee. Like, it's awesome. It's going to free up inventory. It's going to create more demand from buyers. I see it as opportunity if we can just flip the coin and say, yeah, rates are high, but they were higher in the 80s. And 
I have an investor who we were walking acreage just recently. And he said, Heather, in the 80s, when the interest rates dropped at 10%, I bought everything I could on contract. Now he's a multimillionaire from that at 10%. So I don't think we, you know, if we can not freak out so much about the rate, but about the opportunity, if we're tethering an asset to like 13% appreciation, but the interest rate 7%, our buyer's still making money on their asset. So that's, that's what I got. Yeah. Preach it, Heather. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Kim? I would, I would encourage a couple of my thoughts. I would encourage any agent that's written a contract for a buyer in the last year and it didn't get accepted, go back to that buyer and tell them about the market and how they can get it today. A few of my buyers that I have in contract right now are ones that said, I'm out, you know, I can't do this, multiple offer situations all the time. And now we're in contract and negotiating great prices and terms. So I would just say, even if a buyer told you they want to take a break, just gently reach out to them again and just say, hey, this is maybe share a success story with them about a recent buyer that you were helping just to encourage them. A couple other things I know we talked about costs. A big thing I would say is maybe your buyer's closing costs are nine to 10,000. Check with the lender and see how what's the most you can ask the seller to contribute. Maybe it's 15,000. Ask for the 15 and use the rest to buy down the interest rate. So if sellers are motivated, if they're saying, yep, I'll pay closing costs, use the extra closing costs to help your buyer get into a better rate. And right now we're going into an interesting season where it's going into the holidays. Sellers who are on the market, typically we're seeing a lot of relocation sellers this time of year. They have to sell for usually like a January one start date at a new corporation. So get a good price now. There is such an opportunity to get an amazing price now, buy down the interest rate, or if the interest rates go down, refinance next year, we just don't know. But I don't think enough people are talking about the opportunity to get a really good price this time of year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's refreshing a little bit what we're going through that I never really like sort of blackmail business when, you know, the people are saying, gee, if I come in $175,000 over list, guarantee an appraisal gap and waive my entire inspection, I have a shot at getting this house. I wouldn't want to put anyone in that position. And and now we're like negotiating again and we're seeing buy downs and closing costs and price reductions I think it's leveling out a little bit to where people are behaving a little better than they were six months ago when it was just a full-blown seller's market. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. The one component that wasn't exactly mentioned is they're actually able to get the house they want. I mean, what is that worth? I mean, I I love all the negotiations, but man, just getting the house you want. I mean, we were in a market there for so long where they would lose house, lose house, and their expectations just started coming down. Okay, I'll do a busy road if no one, you know, if there's only seven offers on that instead of 15, right? That's been a, a very positive. It's definitely challenging. We had a situation where we had a, a client, they found a house, they made a contingent offer on it. We listed their house. Then the, the, it was it was accepted. We were moved to bumpable. We listed their house, 
And it just, we kept having to drop the price and they finally got to a place where we had dropped the price so much that the numbers didn't work for them. And rates in the interim had gone up as well. I mean, they had gone from the fives to closer to the sevens. We had a really quick run up from six to seven, you know, a month or month and a half ago that was pretty dramatic. And it really, really did chill the market and and, and cause quite a bit of just uncertainty. So, yeah, one thing I was I, I was going to say with regards to sellers, I had an interesting conversation with a seller recently. It was kind of a, a realization because I, I was trying to encourage them to drop the price and they were resistant to it. And I really realized that the world has flipped on us, right? A year ago, if you were working with a buyer and they would find a house they like and they only wanted to ask offer full price or heck, heaven forbid, under full price, they weren't going to get the house, right? And and we would have to educate him like, no, I'm sorry to say this, but you have to go, you have to be super aggressive to get the house. Well, we're in a, the reverse world now for sellers. If sellers really want to sell their house, they have to be motivated. They have to do the opposite. They have to be the opposite of those buyers. They have to be aggressive in their pricing. The good houses that are priced well are the ones that are moving, right? What, whereas a lot of the other ones are are the ones sitting. So it, it's just an interesting how the dynamic has flipped and how quickly it has as well. Oh, Steve, I uh, wanted to add yeah, something that you mentioned, not not just the negotiation, but there's things called second showings. Do you, have you heard of, <laughs> yeah. heard of these things? Yes. <laughs> right? Like that was a naughty word the first six months of the year. Like, no, you're not getting a second showing. Like write it now and close it. But now we're doing... Second, I mean, third showings. What I have people taking vacations, and they're going to show it again when they get back. We're taking, we're going on a cruise. We're talking about it, and we'll want to see it when we come back. Can you imagine that a year ago? No, no. Yeah, it's it is it is definitely back in a big way. That's so crazy. Good point. Really good point. Having experienced what we have over the last six months, what surprises have there been? We sat here together six months ago and we rates were i think at that time in the high fours maybe even low fives and we knew that the trajectory and that that seemed dramatic because they had just recently been in the threes right the low threes and we 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 talked about what we thought it would mean we talked about what we were experiencing what we were starting to hear and we made some projections and predictions about what it could mean in the future to our clients our business what are any surprises you guys have had? What are things maybe you expected that are different? Let's start with you, Heather. Such a great question. So certainly the the rate increase, how quickly it ramped up, that was a surprise to me. But just to give some background, when the bust happened last time, it happened fast. Like in a, in a process of about two months, we saw a major shift. And so... I feel like I've been preparing for worst case scenario since that last shift because it was brutal on my family. I mean, we were, I was in real estate, my husband's a contractor and just overnight our income shut off. So since then we've been squirreling away, saving. And that was a huge theme that we've been talking about at Robbins Realty Group is 
hey, market will shift and it usually shifts fast and, and be prepared, squirrel away the money and, and be cautious. So moving into this shift, one, squirreled away and just like buttoned up all the hatches, make sure everything's good financially, but it still surprised me how fast it shifted. And now I feel like I have a part-time job just coaching my brokers, other brokers of like, don't panic. It's going to be okay. There are opportunities here for buyers, sellers, brokers, like look for the opportunities. Kind of like what Mr. Rogers says when there's an emergency, like look for the helpers. Like here's an opportunity, market shifting, people are panicking and stressed. This is our opportunity to rise to the occasion and bring some like calmness to it of yes, rates are going up. And some people are not going to buy. Some people are not going to sell. And yet there are going to be people that are. Let's be there to serve them and to advise those who are needing to take a knee right now on what are their options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you guys agree that it's not just about rates going up? There's a general perception that prices are coming down. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's wrong. I think they are coming down. I have listings that we listed at a set price expecting to get something and they were motivated sellers and they had to do things to sell it. And they sold it for probably what it was worth, you know, 2020, 2021, early 2021. So that is, it's, it's beyond just the, the interest rates. I think, I think rates are the reason that's happening for sure. But, but I, I think the feelings in the market are largely rates, but largely just people don't want to catch a falling knife. They're unsure. Am I going to buy something that is going to go down in value tremendously? Right. I totally agree with you. And and the prices are, we are seeing the, the prices go down and creating that sense of safety and security with our clients, letting them know like, and if prices go down, it's going to be okay. Like right. There was an, go up and they go down. There was an interview the other day on CNBC the CEO of, of Redfin. He's not always my favorite guy, but he does say some some insightful stuff. He, he made a comment that I thought was interesting. He said, people have PTSD from the last great recession. He said, that one scarred people. And we're, a lot of those people are in this market and, and they are, the PTSD is, is come up in, in a big way. Prior to the great recession, he said, People believed housing prices never go down, and that I remember that. I remember that there was that was just like this thing, like the housing prices always go up, right? And then the Great Recession taught us that they can go down. So now people, that's that's firmly lodged in people's recent memory that that is a possibility. So interesting, Kim. What surprises have there been in your world, or or your expectations, and, and what they've reality has been? One thing was. I, I think I was nervous that clients, I was just nervous that clients would start, you know, looking, okay, what's wrong with my realtor? You know, why is my home not selling? I've been very surpri surprised and just thankful, very thankful for client loyalty. I feel like when you're giving the data, when they're seeing, when you're communicating the work you're doing, I've been so thankful, just my sellers, especially just like, I feel like they've got my back. I've got their back. They've got my back. So that was one thing I think I was kind of curbing myself to be more to be more concerned about. Something I wouldn't say that surprises me, but something that I 
I don't know how to say it. Not that I look forward to, but I want to just encourage, especially newer agents. I've been licensed since about 04. And so went through 08, 09, 10. The biggest thing that agents don't really talk about is you're going to have so much less competition. There are going to be a lot of agents who get out of the business during this time. And so don't be worried. I mean, if you are nose down, if you want to work hard, some of my strongest years were 08, 09, 10. And I didn't know otherwise, because that was my first big cycle. But, you know, I just wanted to work. I wanted to do well. I wanted to work. So just know, I mean, especially if you're in the first few years, like this is not the end of your your decision to become a realtor. This could actually be the beginning of you getting a huge amount of market share. So I find that very encouraging and hopefully mm-hmm. surprise the newer agents. Mm-hmm. That is the great point, Kim. I, I agree with you. I think the 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 challenging the the notoriety of the challenges of the market how public knowledge it is, how much the media has put it out there does give us a little bit of cover with our sellers, right? I feel like they understand that it's not us, that it there's there's macro forces at play. Very, very good point. Brittany, how about you? Well, a little bit of what you guys were saying too, it's, you know, buyers are a lot more educated, buyers and sellers both are considerably more educated and it's not just coming from us. So it's coming from all these different sources. And so when we say it again, they do begin to trust us a little bit more from what I feel like it's everybody's a little bit more educated. They know what's going on and they aren't as mad at you. They expect it. They know it's, you know, they know it's coming. I do feel like everybody experienced, or for the most people, even though I was in high school, I remember 2008, like it being a big deal because it affected my family hugely. And so I think even when I started, I used to talk about it all the time, like, oh, when's that next thing happening? And I think that everybody thinks that it's going to be similar, but it's just, it's not. We don't have all the workings that made 2008 happen. We we, have, we still don't have any inventory. And I, I think that that's probably the biggest surprise is I thought inventory would go up mm-hmm. a little bit faster. That's and I one. feel like I'm struggling so hard with, with inventory still. I mean, I've got buyers that I look for houses every single week and there's just, there's nothing. And so I think that's probably my biggest surprise. And then I personally think that the media has more to do with our slowdown than the rates do. Because even though it's more unaffordable, I think that so many people are just scared that it's going to happen in 2000, that what happened in 2008 is going to happen to them and their prices are going to decrease by hundreds of thousands and they're just never going to get out of that. But I looked at like just historically recessions in the past were just a few percentages down and they were fairly quick. 2008 was longer, but it was, it's what's on everybody's mind. It was, you know, it was a longer time period. It was a larger percentage of, you know, equity that would come down. And I think that I personally believe this is going to be a lot shorter recession. So I'm urging people. I always thought that when this happened and then when we when we did feel that shift that I wouldn't be able to sell real estate because I wouldn't want to put somebody in a bad position just for my own financial gain. But I do think that this is going to be short term. And I think that that's how I feel anyways, is that it's going to be short term. The rates are going to come down to maybe even five and we're going to have another rush of stuff happening. And I think that our market is just different. We don't have the inventory. We have less building. We have more people. We have corporations and hedge funds buying into our market. And I just think that home buying in the next 10 years is going to be a luxury and not not what the American dream is. It's, it's going to be a luxury for a small percentage of people. 
Mm-hmm. Brittany, you, you brought up something that I hadn't thought of that is probably one of my favorite points. I totally agree. I thought six months ago, we'd be sitting here, assuming we, we knew, predicted what was going to happen has happened. I thought we'd be sitting here with six months of inventory, maybe five, seven. And if you look at the last market action report, it just came out last last week. And it was probably the most dramatic of them that we've seen thus far. It's the one where we saw year over year pending sales down 42%. That's a massive drop, right? The the pie that we all work off of, right, has shrunk in half almost, right? But new listings were down 22% year over year, right? So sellers are not putting their houses on the market. Now, I I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed when we when this was starting that every all the sellers would have said, "Oh my gosh, we got to go now. We got to yeah. get on the market and yeah. hurry and sell before prices go down." And then that's just not happening. I think if I had to guess as to why it's cuz they like their interest rate and they're like, "I'm going to I'm going to park it here with this interest rate." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, you're next. <laughs> oh, well, you know what's interesting about having a podcast that is well received with lots of subscribers and listeners is that what we say is immortalized. So if you want to know what our predictions are, Steve, you can go back and listen to one a year ago or six months ago. In relation to the surprises, there there haven't been any surprises. I saw this coming, and aside from my house being too big. I, I did see it coming, which was part of the reason why I sold. And I agree with what everyone said, and I'm not going to like reiterate it, but from a, a real estate perspective, who was it? Tao, uh, who said there's opportunity and chaos and change. There's opportunity here. And so whatever success is to you, if it's 35 closings a year or you know, which is a bad year for anyone on our panel, but you know, it might be a hundred or or 150, or if closing 12 homes for you is success, just shoot for that. The rates don't mean that much. It's work with people who are motivated. And there's good reasons and bad reasons traditionally, good reasons getting married, having babies, getting promoted. Bad reasons, death, divorce, losing a job work with people who need to sell real estate, help as many people as you can, and and hopefully you hit that number and it can be done. Otherwise, you will be a statistic of a realtor who tried it, the market corrected, and then you went back to being a CPA or whatever. So I think everybody, if you buckle up, master your craft, this is a relationship business and you know prospecting is a contact sport by the way you do those things you will find that a great market or a correcting market you are still going to have success so those are my words mm-hmm. for encouragement mm-hmm. can i chime in real quick joe on one surprise that i've had yeah i we if we go back and listen to that podcast i think we were predicting myself included, that the higher end would be a little bit more resilient to higher mortgage rates. And 
believe it or not, I think it's been the slowest segment of the market. I've talked to others that are in that arena as well. And and it's, and I don't know if that's, I think that, that there's a couple reasons. I don't think it's the mortgage rates as much as maybe the stock market. You know, when we talk about cash, most people don't park $5 million or $3 million in cash, actual cash. Usually it's in some kind of asset that that can get a return on investment, some kind of equity or 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 something. And so it's possibly partly the stock market. It could also be just the savviness that that clientele is the ones that are, you know, making assumptions about what housing is going to do and not maybe wanting to jump into it until they have a little bit more clarity on what pricing is doing. The low end of the market has been slow. The really low end, I think that has been really impacted by the higher mortgage rates, the starter price points. But I think the mid is actually a little bit resilient. I think those you know, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollar houses. I think that's where you see a you know a healthy clip of activity and it's a little bit more, a little bit more demand. So it those have been a couple observations and surprises that I've had. Fire off the next question, Joe. Okay, so everyone has been licensed before two thousand eight, correct? Yes. I wasn't licensed as a realtor before two thousand eight, but I was in the business, so. Okay. So Brittany, Brittany wasn't either. The, the, the media, you you didn't miss anything. It, it wasn't fun. Oh, and, I was on the, the I was on the really dark, ugly side of the business, which by the way, the mortgage side of the business is the dark, ugly side of this as well. So I guess my question is with social media, the news, the neighbor, everybody you hear, there's always a comparison to our correction and settling they always bring up 2008. So does this feel the same or does it feel different in in your opinion? Or is it just the same thing 10 years later? Kim, what do you think? I'm probably a bad person to ask this because I don't watch the news. <laughs> I don't look at the, I just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, but my, it just, when I, media is there to sell a product and to get views and clicks. And so I find when I start reading it, I get stressed out. But what I, what I feel like versus OA, I feel like it's, and I, again, I could be wrong because I'm not in it as much reading and, and listening to what's going on, but I feel like it's more positive. Like there's still, there seems like there's still more business it's more, it's positive. Like it's still, there's still business to be had and I think a huge part of that is there's still demand and there's no supply. I mean, in 08, you know, we had, I don't even remember, was it like 13 months of inventory, 18 months? I mean, we had a massive amount of inventory. And so you just look at good old supply and demand. And if there is a person who wants to sell or buy, it's still moving. So that's, that's my opinion. I feel like it's a little bit more positive than, than how people were feeling in 08. Uh-huh. And, Brittany, when did you get your license? 2014. You are just, I'm in awe of you, how much business you do in the short amount of time. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I, know you I know you are well-read and listen to the news. And, and even though you didn't experience the 08, 2012, do you think we're doing maybe that? I mean, you lived through it. You just weren't licensed. 
I don't think it's anything like 2008 because it was a supply and demand issue. We had a massive flood of inventory that happened basically overnight because all those loans and stuff got called back. And I think that since then, all of the lenders and everybody else, they were the, all those guidelines became considerably tighter. And so I feel like the people that are in positions, I just don't think there's going to be that huge amount of foreclosures and everything hitting the market. So I just feel as if the inventory is once again going to be the biggest deciding factor. And we we need more houses and that's not going to happen overnight between now and a year from now. You know, there would have to be something drastic that would have to happen. And I think people are just going to sit tight and wait for those rates to come back down. And I think it's going to go just back to how it was and not, hopefully not as bad, but I just think it's going to be short-lived and I think they're going to just try to get it under control a little bit. Or if they don't correct, then they realize it's the new normal and do it anyway. Yeah. Because people still need houses. Exactly. They still do. And there's no more rentals, you know, the rent, you know, every, everything that happened during the pandemic with rentals, it just made rentals harder and harder to get. So I feel like so many of my investor clients quit buying rentals, got out of different areas because of the rental laws. And I think that it just made it so much tighter. And so there's no, unless you want to live in an apartment, like you really, you don't have an opportunity to get a house and, you know, for any less than what a mortgage is going to be, you know, it's, it's actually pretty crazy to look at some of those prices where a normal three bedroom, two bath house, house here in Oregon city is $3,400 a month, three to $3,400 a month. And it's, you know, that's what the mortgage is going to be. So it's like, people are kind of just debating on, you know, it's, Hey, we have the money. Let's just buy. Historically, it comes up and it goes down and it'll go back down again. It'll come back up stronger because people that lost their houses. And of course they would have never known what our market would have been now, but had they hung on, they would have had such a substantial amount of equity when the market hit high this time. But nobody sees that. Everybody just sees in a very short term and they don't see it fluctuates just like every other market does with stocks and and other stuff. So it just, it all fluctuates, but it's just a lot more money. scares people. People panic and let loose. When people are uncomfortable, they sort of cocoon Mm -hmm. and they just freeze. And it's like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to wait till the election's over or something. They're going to wait till something until their confidence comes back. And there's no more, people don't understand that nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen, but you have a lot of different opinions with loud voices because of social media. And so it is scary to a lot of people, but you know, when you just look at the amount of houses that are still selling, even though it is down with just the mass changes, huge changes in our market over the last couple of years, everybody thought it was going to be COVID that took us down and it wasn't. It made us, it made it absolutely insane. And then interest rates slowed us down. But to be, it's once the media stops talking about a recession, we're going to be back to it because a lot of first time home buyers don't even know what the interest rate is other than what they're hearing. The best deals will happen. The buyers will get the best deals during the scariest times. As okay. soon as the scary headlines go away, the, the best deals were over. Just like you, Joe, you sold when it was still booming, right? And mm-hmm. it actually boomed for a little bit longer after that, like six right. months, right? You, yep. you and, and you were, I remember you and I had conversations. Did I, you know, maybe I sold just a tiny bit too early, but you're far better off to sell too early than too late, right? Correct. <laughs> it will be the same in the reverse, right? If 
the buying opportunities will be their their best when the sellers are like, when the heck does this end? Oh my gosh, I just got to sell this thing. Sure, I'll take that offer. Okay, right? Now, it takes some fortitude on the part of the buyer because they're in that same environment, right? And that's why it's that's what makes it that opportunity. As soon as mortgage rates, you know, and it's happened just last week, it happened a little bit. We got a good inflation reading. Mortgage rates are now in the mid sixes instead of the low sevens. Wall Street rallied. I think it had one of the best days of all time. I mean, I think the NASDAQ was up 7%, right? You get a couple more of those and the best op buying opportunities will be gone. So that's part of the messaging for our buyers is like, I, we know it's scary. We know it's dark, but go get a good deal on a house right now. And if that good news does come later, that's when you can refinance it and you'll forever own it at what you bought it for, right? I have so much faith in this panel here today and you, Steve. I'm giving it like a 15% chance that one of you will call me and say, Joe, I got a perfect house for you. <laughs> I actually Not on the do. market yet. I texted you. I texted you. I, I know. It. It's, yes. it's in and, Westland and, and it's it. got gorgeous views of the river. Fabulous. And it's low, it. low millions. Let's talk after this podcast. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Um, I was there yesterday. If he doesn't want it, I want to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Heather, did you talk on the 2008 and if it's similar or not for you? I, I haven't, but you know, I, I echo what everyone said here. All great feedback. I don't think it looks like 2008. I think that this is a minor recession compared to the great recession. And because we have such low inventory still, and I mean, my listings are selling and they're selling pretty quickly. That mid range is moving. I, one of them had multiple offers. So I'm I'm still seeing under 10 days of market time for my listings. And so that makes me feel hopeful and excited. But of course, we're setting those expectations up front. One thing that Steve mentioned is when people are confused and a confused mind stalls, right? Like if a buyer, or maybe it was Brittany who mentioned it, when someone is confused and scared, they're they're going to stall. But if we can give them data, a plan and infuse it with optimism, then they can make some good educated decisions on what's gonna work best for them. And so I like to work within that framework of data plan and optimism. And if if now is the right time for them, great. If it's not the right time, no problem. But if we, with that servant's heart of like continuing to nurture them long-term of here's the information going on in, in real estate, providing that, that information is gonna be key in helping them not feel confused and not be stalled, but be able to make decisions. I agree. Absolutely agree. It's uh, We're not only licensed realtors, we're psychologists, we're stagers, we're, you know, nurturers, we're, we're so much more. But I've found educated customers and clients do better when you set precedents and set expectations rather than going blindly. So absolutely agree. And that way they can make an educated decision with eyes wide open. And if now isn't the time for them, go work on somebody who has a right now real estate need and let those people marinate for a while. Mm -hmm. They'll come back, right? Steve? So talking about the similarities and the differences to 2008 and the Great Recession, 
first of all, transaction countdown is similar, I think, for different reasons. But I mean, I think when I remember the data from the Great Recession, I mean, we were down close to 50% in transaction count and pending year over year sales are down 42%. So, so there's a similarity there. Obviously, I think in some ways, I know, I know, Heather, you said that happened pretty quick in 08, but I kind of remember I was in the mortgage side of, of the business and I kind of remember it being a little slower because in in August of 07, I remember all of a sudden the loan programs were stopping and you didn't really have the Lehman issue until like spring of 08, I think, or summer of 08. So, I mean, it, it felt like it was a little bit slower of a, of a rollout, but it was l- way longer. And I do truly believe this is going to be a much shorter blip. I think we're just we're just a couple more good inflation readings away from rates coming down maybe into the low 6s or 5s. All of a sudden that bridge that gap between the 3s and 5s looks a lot narrower. You'll have a little stock market rally and all of a sudden, you know, things will thaw out a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be 2021, but it could be a a far more normal market and I think we should be telling our buyers now that's when the buying opportunities are going to be gone. Like like those sellers that were, I mean, I guys, I have a, a I had a listing that we listed at $2.2 million in Sherwood and it closed at one seven. They moved to Oklahoma. They had to sell the house. Those opportunities are out there and we should be coaching our buyers on how to find those and, and reminding them that's happening now. It's not going to happen when the news is good, right? Those sellers will know that the pendulum's shifting in their direction. So are prices coming down? Yeah, they're coming down, but they're already down right now. Don't wait. I mean, if the data starts showing that the prices are coming down, that's a lagging indicator, right? I guess the last thing I'll say is there was a reason that was called the Great Recession. Recessions happen all the time. Historically, you know, every five to 10 years, there's a recession. The Great Recession was great for a reason. This one, this one's not going to be like that. It it will be shorter. It will, you know, we, the transaction count is down, but it that won't that won't last for forever. It'll it'll be a, a, a shorter segment. Let's just talk about industry. People in the industry, what are you guys seeing from others in in the business? Whether it's other agents, title lenders. Inspectors, are you? What are you seeing, hearing? Is there any? I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll tell you, this has hit the mortgage industry way, way, way harder. There's layoffs everywhere in that business, and I think, I think, and part of it too, it's not just how slow they are today; it's how busy they were a year ago, right? I mean, they went from literally having the best years of their lives to the now you know a very very slow opposite in a fairly rapid fashion so i definitely see it there i am hearing about cutbacks in the title world i know i i heard a story of you know holiday parties being canceled and you know furloughs and things like that so it's definitely i mean you, again you can't have transactions down 42% and there not be repercussions across the business what about you guys let's start with brittany so like you said, I definitely see it a lot more on the mortgage side. I've seen tons of companies closing. A lot more lenders are moving around right now, reaching out. A lot more lenders are reaching out as well. Tons of layoffs on like their admin side. So 
but yeah, you, they went from doing a million refis on top of our crazy market. And so I think that there's just an adjustment. Their their business was built on that over the last couple of years. And now they're it's pretty dead. I think that people are getting more creative. So I feel as if like agents, I've seen so much more marketing, creative marketing coming out of agents, which I think is kind of cool. But as far as like title and all that type of stuff, I think people are just being a lot more helpful and trying to educate us as agents on on different creative ways to do things like financing or, you know, bringing in like different types of marketing. And people are trying a lot harder right now to be cooperative. Like agents are working a lot harder to be nicer to other agents because we really have to work together right now to make something happen. So mm-hmm. that's what I noticed the most on across the board with our industry. I have a really cool observation. What happened to iBuyers? <laughs> Does anyone really think that's a viable idea in this day and age? I mean, the reality is that program doesn't really work well in a booming market. And we saw why, because sellers want to put their house on the open market so they can get 10 bids. They're not just going to, they don't want to sell it quietly to some company. So they were, they, they couldn't make money then. And now that now their, their stock is Open doors, of, you know, I, I would say they're months away from being closed door. Redfin stopped there. Zillow stopped theirs. They were actually, in hindsight, they were probably pretty smart to stop it a year, you know, a year ago. That industry has been decimated. But how cool for us, right? It, it It's very validating that we as professionals are needed. It's You're not going to just create a push button buy and sell system that that is sustainable and works out there for this most expensive asset people have. Let's see, Heather, you're up. Yeah. I mean, I certainly, my heart goes out to lenders and, and title officers, those who are being let go. It, it It is tough and they're not hiring down the street, right? Lender lane, like they're closing doors for, for mortgage lenders and they're not opening them up another mortgage company so down true. the street. So, so true. Yeah. It is tough. I mean, my heart goes out to them and the positive that I'm seeing from this is what Brittany said is more teamwork, really. Like, I feel like people are putting their best foots forward. You have a chance to really get to interact and communicate, negotiate and strategize with that co-op broker that you're in escrow with, as opposed to like, just send me the offer. And if it's one of 10 and hopefully you get it right. Like there's, I'm seeing an increase in manners and kindness. So that makes me super, super happy. Have you guys noticed you can close loans in two to three weeks with with lenders now? Yeah. Uh, how cool is that, Fantastic. right? I had a transaction. They made an offer on my listing, VA, with like a two and a half week close. And I was like, we were laughing. We're like, who who are these people? Don't, don't they know what a VA loan is? Blah, 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 blah. Well, they did it. They actually, they threw together a VA loan. And I mean, my lender's telling me like, you, it used to be, I think in the worst of times in 2020, 2021, during the refi boom, like turn times were like five, six, seven days on purchases, like in underwriting, right? They would send their file to the underwriter and take a week plus. Now it's like an hour or two. So that is a huge positive in, in some of the slowdown. How about you, Kim? What are you noticing in throughout the business? For me, I feel like people are leaning more on us as the experts, which I loved. It's like before, I think a lot of people were getting their expert opinions from non-expert 
resources. <laughs> and I feel like that's shifted back to wanting an agent who is an educator, who's knowledgeable, who's an educator in wanting to coach and train the clients. So I just feel like there's a lot more people leaning on us and, and asking our opinions, be it in title lenders. I mean, I have people calling me, well, what do you, what do you think? What, what do you think's going on in the market? And I appreciate that joint communications. Yeah. We're so much more needed, right? I, I mean, gosh, anybody could sell a house a year and a half ago. The seller could sell their own house. Their cousin could sell their house who just got their license. I mean, I mean, true professionals are in high, high demand. And that is that is really refreshing. How about you, Joe? It's, you know, the same old thing. It's a relationship business and you need to stay in great relationships with everyone, our peers, your customers, your clients. I mean, that stays the same. The, the, the layoffs that have happened we have a downturn of you know 42% in pendings but it's interesting cuz year after year everyone lays people off in october and rehires them back in april and the two things that kill companies are you know salaries and your mortgage payment or lease payment right and if you during the slow time lay off those people for 5 6 months 4 months and rehire them back the company just lived another day and and saved a little bit of money. So that's not shocking to me. From the realtor aspect, my mantra is master your craft. And if you're not using systems, embrace systems, because you can make yourself bigger than life if you embrace systems, because people run systems and systems run businesses. And then finally, a little bit of the road less traveled. Right. So if you're into fly fishing, if you go to the river and there's like wet boot prints on a rock, just keep on going. Right. But if you're going down the road and there's some gnarly, steep blackberry bushes and rock and it's a bitch to get down to the river. But if you go through that path, those fish have never seen what's coming at them. In the other spot, they've seen every bug and every lure and everything a million times. So get creative because with changing markets, the same thing that we did over and over again won't work in, in some instances. So, which is a good segue to the next question, which is since our market has slowed down, what are we doing differently that is more effective? What do you think, Heather? Yeah. So let's see here. One, we're just being careful, right? Being careful and like I said earlier, button up the hatches, making sure that we're tightening our belt and being really careful, maximizing every dollar that we're spending with minimal cost. Like that's a trick I learned in the recession of like how to really like get maximum exposure with very little cost. So grassroots marketing, getting back to like doing the things that we all know to do, be in touch with your database. I'm such a believer in in like giving and and doing for my community. And so a lot of our objectives moving into 2023 is just pouring back into our community, whether it's our, our work community, our living community, our industry, like we just want to be giving back and providing service and value. So those things I think will ultimately win. I think good and, and providing value wins. Absolutely. 
And Kim, you do that too. Didn't you just have some kind of a client appreciation, something recently where you're building those relationships, like a pumpkin patch or something? Brittany, what do you think? Yeah, like like Heather, we cut down a lot of expenses. We've always ran pretty lean and mean. But you know, now that everything kind of counts and you don't know where things are going, we've definitely tightened up, made more calculated decisions when it comes to marketing. But right now, I feel as if like training is big right now because I want that's we have time right now to go back and and make us better agents, make us better negotiators. And then right now, I feel like we're just working on our customer experience, you know, because I think that's what's going to matter in getting getting the market share is, you know, giving them a good experience, whether it's a good market or a bad market and and getting better at it now so that come when we're out of this, the, you know, we'll be better at it. We just didn't, I didn't have ever have any time to really build good systems inside my business. So I've been working super hard on making sure everything runs really smoothly and the customers like at top of mind. So I've enjoyed this slowdown because we haven't slowed down in the office at all. And it's been nice to be able to spend a little bit more time on my business. I agree. Watching your marketing dollars, tightening your belt. And Heather, you said being involved with the community. And what I would add to it is with the road less traveled, remember everyone did mailers and then this neat thing called, you know, email came out and you could send out your newsletter and it didn't cost you anything and you hit a button and it was done. Well, the people that continued with the mailers, you know, instead of being one of 20 that showed up every week, they were the only one. And I'm trying to find those special nuances of where I'm not one of a million. I'm I'm one of one. Steve, what about you? Yeah. So I I mean I I definitely I definitely am tightening up expenses in some areas. I don't know if marketing is one of them though. I actually believe that now is a good time to grab market share. And I think I think that is because most everybody and, and I mean I hate to point this out, but the, most everybody else on the panel is doing the opposite, right? I mean, I mean, in, in shrinking marketing. So there was a quote from a guy from Adobe. They just did a big purchase. And I guess they had done another big, massive billion dollar purchase during the Great Recession. And his quote was, never waste a good crisis, right? And so I just, I think, well, and, and part of it is it takes fortitude, right? It takes the guts to go out there and and spend money on marketing when everybody else isn't and everybody else is you know in, in in fear. I mean Warren another great quote is Warren Buffett he says when everyone else is greedy I'm afraid and when when everyone else is afraid I'm greedy. So now you have to be careful with that, right? I mean uh, that's there's a balancing act there, but I think we're in a another analogy that I like to think of is you know, a, a, a car race, right? When the cars are in a race on the straight stretch, everybody, all the cars put the throttle to the metal, right? And, it, and they're flooring the gas and they're on that straight stretch and they're all going to do the same. But when they start to get into the turny, twisty curves, that's where the most slow down and the ones who the ones who have the guts and the skill and the the ability can gain on them. And so I just, I think we're in a little bit of that. And I think there's an opportunity in market share that's grabbed during a crisis 
will be kept on the future straightaway, right? So I guess that's that carries us into the next part. What, what are you most optimistic about with regards to 2023? And I guess I get I kind of just gave you guys mine right there. Is I think there's opportunities to be had while many are circling the wagons in our business, while many are doing what n- comes a little bit more natural during challenging and scary times. How about you, Kim? What are you most optimistic about for 2023? Oh, she gone. Okay, let's go <laughs> on to Brittany. How about you? Honestly, in 2023, I'm I'm just better. I'm just excited to kind of go into it being a little bit better of an agent, being a little bit more prepared and not kind of chasing my tail like I have unfortunately have been since I started. And so, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm ready to like thrive with some systems and some really calculated movements in 2023 that I'm, that we're preparing for now. Yeah. I'll speak for Kim. She's excited for better Wi-Fi in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Yeah. I'm (laughs) excited. I'm excited about the opportunity. Like you said, in a crisis, that's when there is opportunity. And I wanted to clarify, like, we're not really cutting back on our marketing. We're being thoughtful about every mm-hmm. line, you know, looking at the PL, where are things that we can cut back on? But when it comes to marketing, like we're going aggressive. We're really looking at like doing the things that have always really worked for us. And that's always grassroots marketing in our community and just pouring into our clients. And I'm excited to just have more time to do that. And then we've we've been refining our systems and just making sure that all of that's dialed in so that as we move into 2023, the systems support the efforts that we're putting into loving on our clients and and providing good good advice to them. So and yeah, I'm excited about better better manners out there. That's just delightful. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think you were cutting back on your marketing, Heather. You you were the one last time that used such a great analogy, talking about a bike race where when the headwinds come in, you 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 saw prof- you were in a bike race and people were getting off their bikes and walking them, and you saw that as like this is the time that I can I can you know get ahead of the pack. I thought that was such a such a well put analogy there. How about you, Joe? Gosh. This feels like Thanksgiving. You know, you go around the table. What are you thankful for? <laughs> It's going to be okay. If you're smart and resourceful and, you know, actually watch videos and read and study and try and be as good as you can and be a part of your community, the market's the market. And whatever that number is for you that is success, 25 houses closed a year, you can still close that, right? Even in any market. So, but now you get people with better manners. So that's kind of nice, but mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. And just for all you listening, Solera Properties is still partying. We're having a Christmas party today. We have a pie giveaway oh, that's on an Tuesday. Early, you're having a Christmas party before Thanksgiving? Well, no, it's a, a office holiday decoration party, which okay. is just an excuse okay. to drink wine. But it really is super <laughs> fun. It's like so much fun. And so that's happening a little later. We have a some of our brokers are doing pie giveaways. So before Thanksgiving, you know, you buy the pie for people. And then we have our Christmas party in December. So that's what we train for, right? So don't want to give up that stuff or why we're working so hard. Yeah. Well, and you said it, Joe. I mean, you talked about how, I mean, 
right now, there are people letting off on their marketing. I mean, if you have a listing and and you normally would send, you know, postcards around the, the property saying just listed or pending or sold, if you're still doing that, I bet a lot of people have stopped that. And so there is there is opportunity to 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 to, to stay on doing what you you were doing, and you you will be the only postcard in that in that mailbox, right? Because of of that gap from so many. So. I think there is, I had a couple, you know, things, thoughts that I thought I'd leave us with. One thing that I've heard a couple times people say outside of today was there's always somebody doing good in every market, right? Whether there's a recession or whatever, whatever is going on, there's, there's somebody who a year ago wasn't able to buy a house, but now is. So let's keep, you know, looking for those people. And Another Warren Buffett quote that is interesting. He said, when the tide goes out, you, you discover who's been swimming naked, right? So those of us who've run our businesses correctly, been fiscally responsible, are you know in a good position, we can rise above and, and do well as, I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on out there. And it's not just in our industry. I'm not talking about our industry. I mean, what's going on with crypto right now? What's going on? You're, you're, you're starting to see the people that have been swimming naked and it's good for those of us who've done it the right way right we 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 can be confident that we're actually going to stand out at, in our industry i i think i think we're going to see people in our industry who who probably maybe didn't have savings they they should have had or w- weren't building the fundamentals of their business that they should have or or maybe overspent on some some luxury items that are they're going to be so distracted with that, that they're not going to be growing their business and, and trying to grab new market share. And I think that's a great opportunity for those who can. Any so, other final thoughts from anyone? So just to be clear, should we be swimming naked or? <laughs> you said naked and I didn't hear anything else you said after that. <laughs> but I think you said that's the right way to do it is swimming naked. <laughs> It will be months from now, unless it's an indoor pool, I'll tell you. (laughs) There we have it. Well, I I love it that you guys are so generous with your time. You're all fabulous people, fabulous realtors. And, you know, you gave your time to us not once, but twice. And these aren't small commitments. You know, we're an hour and a half which is kind of a big deal. You guys probably could have sold like collectively three homes in that time. (laughs) So thank you so much. We appreciate you. We look up to you. We're looking forward to doing more deals in the future with you and our listeners uh, appreciate it. So please know that. Thank you for having us. Once again. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. I always love being able to interact with you all. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great.